Good morning. New community and ninth hour. It is a beautiful joy and honor to see these two congregations come together to worship together. For me, in many ways, this is a tale of two cities in a way. It is within this congregation, New Community Covenant Church, that I stopped running from my call to vocational ministry. And it is Ninth Hour Covenant Church that has invited me and called me to pastor and to shepherd them as a people. And so for these two congregations that are very special to my soul to come together, to be one, to see you both in one place, um, it is a joy and an honor and a privilege to be with you all this morning. So welcome. So last week, I preached as a pastor for the first time at my congregation, and I used the book of Judges, and we looked at the life of Gideon. Gideon was one of the military leaders, one of the judges of the Israelite army. And we started looking at Gideon in the book of Judges as a way of thinking about this ministry that God is calling us to as a church and as a congregation. Where is the language and the inspiration and the encouragement that we can draw from the life of Gideon to think about how God is calling to move us forward as a church community? Uh, Let me start by saying a little bit about Ninth Hour Covenant Church. Um, Ninth Hour is a church that was started uh, maybe about six or seven years ago. Um, It it is an Asian American uh, community, um, and it is a congregation that is very much committed to racial reconciliation and social justice um, and has worked very hard um, at those efforts. excuse me, over these past six to seven years that they've been a congregation. Um, And at some point along that journey, I think even in the beginning of the journey, they desired to be a multicultural, multiracial community. And um, they decided that to move deeper into this call to social justice ministry, um, that they were uh, or would like to become a multiracial, multicultural community. And so I have been called to be a part of this community to help lead and guide and join them in this effort to become a multiracial, uh, multicultural community. And so I'm thankful to God uh, for this call um, and for these people that I will journey alongside. And so I will start us out just by, um, if you have your Bibles, it will probably not appear um, on the screen, uh, my fault, not anybody else's. Um, If you can open to the book of Judges to the sixth chapter, the book of Judges to the sixth chapter, see this as punishment for not bringing your Bible, um, if you don't have it with you. Oh, yeah, see, look at at God, look at God, that's amazing. (laughs) Y'all, amazing new community. I love it. Thank you, Amanda. Um, So the book of Judges starts out, and um, uh, uh, the land had rest for about 40 years under uh, the judge called Deborah, um, who was a powerful woman of God. And then the Israelites moved into a place of doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord handed them over into the hands of their enemies for seven years. And for seven years, the Midianites terrorized the Israelites, the people of God. The Midianites prevailed over the land of Israel. 
And God sent a prophet um, to, is, to the people of Israel. And God sent a prophet and said, I asked you to do one thing. I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of oppression. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And I asked you to do one thing, to not worship the gods of the land that I was sending you into. And you did not heed that call. You did not heed that demand. And thus I have given you into the hands of the Midianites. And then God sends an angel. God sends an angel and God uh, calls Gideon. God sends an angel to Gideon and calls him to deliver the people. Gideon starts out by complaining to God that these people are terrorizing us and you're saying that, that you come from God, but how is there a God if we are being terrorized by the Midianites? And so the angel says, you go. I am commissioning you to go and free your people from the suffering that you are lamenting about. And so this is where we find um, ourselves in the text. Um, Gideon then prepares uh, a cake for uh, the angel, and um, God does a miracle to show him that this is really the angel of God speaking to him. And so we're going to drop down to verse 25, and I'll start reading at verse 25. I'll read verses 25 through 32. That night the Lord said to him, to Gideon, Take your father's bull, the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the sacred pole that is beside it. Build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold there in proper order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the sacred pole that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople to do it by day, he did it by night. When the townspeople rose early in the morning, the altar of Baal was broken down and the sacred pole beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. This is the word of the Lord. I will actually read just a little bit further. So they said to one another, who has done this? After searching and inquiring, they were told, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this. Then the townspeople said to Joash, bring out your son so that he may die, for he has pulled down the altar of Baal and cut down the sacred pole beside it. But Joash said to all who were arrayed against him, will you contend for Baal or will you defend his cause? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been pulled down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubael. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he pulled down his altar. This, too, is the word of the Lord. And so I will continue to move us through this text, but we will start with this initial passage. And there are a number of about four points that I have pulled from this passage that I would like to, us to share as two congregations as we think about being called and chosen by God to do the mission of God in the kingdom of God. And so I will entitle this sermon, Chosen. And so the first thing that I garner from this text is that when you are chosen by God, you will be able to discern false gods when you encounter them. 
when you are called by God, you will be able to discern false gods when you encounter them. And the question that we must ask ourselves is how we will respond. In the community of the Israelites, God found idol worship. The monotheistic faith of the Israelite people, the faith, the faith tradition that believed in one God, had allowed the cultural influence of the people around them to lead them into idol worship, the worship of false gods. And I wanna, want to give us a modern uh, definition or explanation of what it means to worship false gods. Exchanging culturally acceptable practices and beliefs for deeply held spiritual values and truths. To worship false gods means to exchange culturally acceptable practices and beliefs for deeply held spiritual values and truths. It means participating in culturally acceptable practices that glorify impotent beings as superior over other equal or more superior beings. Secondly, it means participating in culturally acceptable practices that glorify impotent beings as superior over other equal or more superior beings. Now in ancient times, the, the destruction of an altar was a political move, not a religious move. When a king captured and defeated a people, he would destroy their temples, their shrines, and their altars in order to deny them access to their gods, gods that might help them retaliate against the newly established king. But a king only had reason to destroy these places of worship when they believed they had some power. It would be much, much easier and less costly in terms of manpower and potential rebellion to just ignore the impotent shrines and altars. But if the king believed they had some power, he gave an edict, a command to tear them down. The Babylonians came in to conquer the Israelites and they destroyed the Jerusalem temple. They destroyed it not because they denied the power of the Jewish God, Yahweh, but they, they destroyed it because they believed in the power of Yahweh and they knew that the temple was a place of power and strength for the Israelite people. And so this ancient reality gives me pause. As I think about the destruction of confederate altars, confederate shrines, confederate statues in the southern United States of America, we are coming to realize as a people that these monuments, these shrines that celebrate the oppression of African people of African descent, that they do have power. Some say that they are merely a representation of a particular historical period, and so they should be allowed to stand. But we are coming to realize that they must come down because they do have power. They must come down because they perpetuate and celebrate the terror exacted on a specific people group. They must come down because they are the launching pads for racist Americans to spew their racist ideologies. They, they must come down because they are signs and symbols of false, unscientific constructs that name immigrated white-skinned folk as superior to people of color. 
They must come down because they do have power, evil power, the power to proliferate hate, the power to see false doctrine in a new generation of young people. They must come down because they do have power to spread hate, the power to divide, the power to shame, the power to keep old wounds festering, the power to halt the healing that we so desperately need as a nation. They must come down because one month ago in 2017, an eight-year-old biracial boy named Quincy was hanged from a tree by local teenagers, nearly lynching him in New Hampshire. They must come down. We are worshiping false gods when we exchange culturally acceptable practices of hatred and beliefs for deeply held spiritual values and truths. We are worshiping false gods when we participate in culturally acceptable practices that glorify impotent beings as superior over other equal or more superior beings. And, and, and so the false gods and their celebratory offers must come down in our city squares because they give life to racism in courts of justice. They give life to separate but unequal educational resources in inner city classrooms. They give life to disparate public health resources for people of color. They give life to daily racial microaggressions. The altars must come down. They... They, they must come down, but they must come down not only in our city squares, but they also must come down in our hearts. And they also must come down in our lives. Newsflash, this is a newsflash. Pay attention. We live in a racist culture. Okay, newsflash. And so to think that we can live in a racist culture... And yet move through a coal mine in a white dress and not be blackened by its soot is a ridiculous thought. Like the Israelites were affected by the idol worship around them, so are we. So are we affected by the racist culture in which we live. But when we are chosen by God, we are able to discern false gods when we encounter them. When we encounter them in our city squares and when we encounter them in our own hearts, how will we respond to them? Will we tear them down? Will we declare that they must come down? Or, or will we allow them to coexist in opposition to our deeply held spiritual beliefs and values? The second thing that I've extracted from this text as it relates to being the chosen and the called of God. The second thing I've extracted from this text is that when you are chosen by God, you may experience opposition from family and friends and community. 
When you are chosen by God, you may experience opposition from family and friends and community. Pay attention, ninth hour, pay attention, new community, because this calling to tear down the core issues of injustice may ruffle the feathers of those you love and hold dear. God instructed Gideon very specifically to name the false idol worship of his family, of those closest to him. Gideon is first asked by God to tackle the lack of obedience, the the lack of loyalty to God that exists within his own tribe before he is called to go outside of the tribe and attack the enemy. Might God be calling us ninth hour? Might God be calling us new community to always begin the task of racial Reconciliation within our own ranks as a church before we go out and call others to this life. Might, might God be continually calling us to be bold about naming the places where our own cultural tendencies as a church body might be aligning with culturally acceptable practices that must be challenged? If we are to proceed in the missional work of God in these communities that we have been called to serve and to love and to live among. Might God be calling us ninth hour and new community to be bold enough to challenge one another. To be bold enough to call each other out when we discern racial microaggressions and when we are hurt by them when they are exacted upon us. Might might God be calling us to lead each other to places of righteousness and a turning back to God in repentance. Perhaps Gideon's father was lost in idol worship because he had never been challenged. Maybe because he was a man in a position of power, no one wanted to confront him. If there are those among us this morning that have experienced some form of racial microaggression or other sense of injustice within your church community, I am challenging you this morning and this week to address it, to name it, to call it out in your own house before God calls you out to do this work of ministry in the world. I am praying this week, and I'm going to ask our leaders among us to also pray for the grace of God. For the grace of God to give us the boldness to name the hurt and the courage to hear the offense without defending one's self. I'll I'll say it again. I'm praying this week, and I pray that our leaders will pray with me that we would have the boldness when we have been hurt to name the hurt and that those who have offended, I pray that they would have the courage to hear the offense without defending one's self. And I believe by the unction of the Holy Spirit that if you do this thing, that healing will happen in a mighty way. I hear God saying, try me and see that I will open the windows of heaven and pour upon your church community a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive if you will be enough and courageous enough to confront and challenge one another and to call each other out. That you would be bold enough 
vulnerable enough to name the place of pain and the place of offense. I pray that the spirit of courage would lead you this week to help someone tear down their own altar, their altar that they may not even be aware is offending you, that they may not be aware is offending others in this community that God has called together. And so let us pray for courage and obedience to, the full, to do the fullness of the will of God for our lives, that we might live more abundant lives. When we are chosen by God, this calling may oppose the beliefs and ideals of your family. This calling may cause you to be in conflict with those who raised you, those whom you respect and honor, those whose very own faith shaped who you are. Gideon was so afraid of his family's response that he was obedient to God, but not in their presence. He did the work of God under the, co the cover of darkness because he was afraid of their response. Fear of family. What things in, in your life have you not done because you fear how your family, your friends, or your community will respond? What callings, what placements or jobs or relationships have you not moved toward because of your fear of how others will respond to you? What confrontational truth do you not name because you fear how your family, your friend, your co-worker, your community will respond? This is a work that takes courage and obedience. And so we pray this week for courage and obedience to do the fullness of the will of God for our lives, that we might live abundant lives. Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. But, but, but Jesus was not calling Peter the devil. Jesus was acknowledging that what Peter was asking him to do, to remain with them and not to die, this thing that Peter wanted for Jesus' life was in direct opposition to the mission of God. And so sometimes our family and our friends and our community, they can't see or understand the will of God for us, and so they attempt to keep us in safe zones, in, in familiar zones, in comfortable places, in zones that will keep them comfortable if you stay within your boundaries. They, they can't understand what God is doing, and so they attempt to keep you from the will of God for your life. Let us pray this week for courage and obedience to do the fullness of the will of God that we might live more abundant lives. Gideon is courageous and obedient, even though he is fearful. When he destroys this altar of Baal, he does it under the cover of darkness and much fear. Because we must understand that courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the ability to act in spite of the fear. 
Gideon takes a first step toward obedience that will prepare him for God's greater ask later on. God will ask him to decrease the number of his army from 32,000 to 300 men. But it began with this first step of obedience. Can you obey God in the little things that God might give you the ability to obey God in the larger things? Gideon obeyed God, though he was fearful. And get this, exactly what Gideon thought would happen Exactly what he was afraid of, that's what happened. That's what happened. When when, when he tore down the altars of Baal, his his father's altars, the clansmen, I'm sorry, the townspeople were angry that their Baal altar, their confederate altar, was torn down and they killed a young girl. No, I'm sorry. They, They wanted to kill Gideon. God didn't stop the repercussions of Gideon's courageous actions. But God did protect him in the midst of the turmoil. Sometimes, sometimes we tell ourselves, well, well, if God is asking me to do it, it's going to be easy. If God is sending me to do it, I expect God to take care of the pain and to take the pain out of it. If God is calling me to lead ninth hour in the church, this is going to be an easy road, God, because you're calling me to do it. But what does God tell Gideon? What does God tell Gideon when, when Gideon is giving God every excuse for why he's not the one that should be chosen for the God uh, for this job? He's giving God every excuse, but in verse 10, God says, but I will be with you. But I will be with you. And is that not all the assurance that we need? That that, that God will be with us? That God has called us? That God has led us to do this thing? To challenge this law or this rule or this person or to lead these people that God has chosen us for the job. Is this not all we need to know but that God will be with us? And so let us pray for courage and obedience to do the fullness of the will of God for our lives. That we might live abundantly. The third thing that I gleaned from this text is that that when you are chosen by God, you will come to know the constancy of God. When you are chosen by God, you will come to know the constancy of God. And I'm actually going to read a little further down in verse 33.
Chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 33 through 40. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and crossing the Jordan, they encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abysrites were called out to follow him. He sent messengers all throughout Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. He also sent messengers to Asher and Zebulon and Naphtali. These also are tribes of Israel. And they went up to meet him, to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, in order to see whether you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said you would do, I am going to lay a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. And when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, do not let your anger burn against me. Let me speak one more time. Let me please make trial with the fleece one more time. Let it be dry only on the fleece and on all the ground. Let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. And I want us to highlight in this text that Gideon twice says, as you have said, in order to see whether you will deliver Israel by my hand as you have said. In verse 36, Gideon is saying, I'm I'm going to ask you for another sign to see if you still want to use me as you once have said. God had sent an angel to visit him in the previous passage. But Gideon is like, okay, do do you still, are you still trying to use me? You you still trying to ask me to do this thing? Or, 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 Or have you changed your mind? Have you found someone else to do the thing that you've asked me? to do. When you are chosen by God, know that God is always calling. God is always beckoning you towards God. Many, many of you know my story that I ran from God and this calling to vocational ministry, specifically the calling to shepherd and to pastor. I ran for so long, very specifically for a decade, for 10 years, Hoping that God would change God's mind. Hoping that God would find someone else to do the thing that I was afraid to do. Hoping that God would call someone else to do the thing that I didn't want to do. And so Gideon was my inspiration. You said it before, God, but but do you still mean it? In this journey, I have come to know the constancy of God, that God does not change God's mind. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. If God said it, God is going to do it. If God anointed you for the task and the call, God hasn't forgotten. 
We, we, we may reposition ourselves so that we don't hear God's voice as clearly. We, we may be obstinate and stubborn, intent on living our own way. Our lives may move so fast that we miss the little ordinary signs of God's constant beckoning along the way. We may camouflage ourselves so that we don't look like what God is calling us to be. Ah, but I'm here to tell you. And Gideon is here to testify that God don't change God's mind. I said it in abonics because I felt that thing. God don't change God's mind. When you are chosen by God, you will come to know the constancy of God. I I have been told that Ninth Hour had a vision of becoming a multicultural church when it was first formed about six years ago. Had God forgotten the thing God gave a vision to Ninth Hour of becoming? Or, Or has it merely taken time for the thing to be grown, prepared, developed, shaped, and formed? When you are chosen by God, you will come to know the constancy of your God. And fourth and finally, I'm going to read for us chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. It reads as thus, Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the troops that were there with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them, below the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The troops with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Israel would only take the credit away from me, saying, My own hand has delivered me. Now, therefore, proclaim this in the hearing of the troops. Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home. Thus Gideon sifted them out. 22,000 returned and 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the troops are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will sift them out for you there. When I say this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. And when I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So he brought the troops down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, all those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs lap, you shall put to one side. And all those who kneel down to drink, putting their hands to their mouths, you shall put to the other side. The number of those that lapped was 300. But all the rest of the troops knelt down to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300, with the 300, that lapped, I will deliver you and give the Midianites into your hand. So let all the others go to their homes. So he took the jars of the troops from their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel back to their own tents, but retained the 300. The camp of Midian was below him in the valley. And so fourthly, when you are chosen by God, you will be sent on an impossible mission. 
when you are chosen by God, you will be sent on an impossible mission. 1 Corinthians says that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chose Gideon, who is from the weakest tribe of Israel's tribes. God chose the 300 who lapped like dogs to fight the vast enemy of their people. You see, God anoints leaders for mission in troubled times. And so they always seem like mission impossible. At the end of a peaceful rule over the land, the prophet Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah replies, I will go send me as a prophet to the nations. Little shepherd boy, boy David is at the battle line and no one wants to fight Goliath. But God had previously sent Samuel to anoint David and at this moment of trouble God declares, it's time David take the stage. Esther proclaimed, but what do I know but that for such a time as this that God has anointed me for this purpose to lead in this time that I will lead the people in spiritual warfare against the enemy of my people who seek to annihilate them from, to annihilate us from the land. The triune God council, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sat in the heavenlies, looking down at the sinful chaos of God's people. And they asked amongst themselves, who will go for us? And Jesus put on a robe of flesh and came down. God anoints leaders for mission in troubled times. So they always seem like mission impossible. We see that, that, that God is very clear about why the army is being dwindled. The Israelites have been disobedient. They have not trusted in the direction and instruction of their God. And so God devises an impossible plan to free them from the power of their enemy. And so I think the vision of God for ninth hour as a church is an impossible plan. To take a small monocultural ministry and to transform it into a multicultural community led by people of color. It's not something that's been done before, but it's certainly something that we will never be able to take the credit for. We will never be able to say that in our might and in our strength that we did this thing, ninth hour. God, God trams Gideon's army and brings them down to a size they think insufficient to win the battle they have been called to fight against the enemies of God's people. God has a mission. God already has a mission. He's always choosing people, local bodies of believers to serve that mission. And this was a mission to draw the Israelites back to God's heart and God's intended life of freedom for them. Their army was dwindled so they could see God's power and God's strength. Here's the truth new community, and, and ninth hour, the truth is that, that being chosen to fight alongside God, it's a privilege. Being chosen to go to war for God is a privilege. Being chosen to advance God's mission in the earth is a privilege. 
Being chosen to advocate for those on the margins is a privilege. Being chosen to be a voice for the voiceless is a privilege because the truth is God don't need you. God, God, God don't need me to fight the battles of the earth because the truth is the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. But God chooses to use us. And that's a privilege that we should never take for granted. And so this morning, God, we say thank you. Thank you for choosing to use us. Thank you for choosing us to be a part of your mission. The dwindling down of Gideon's army challenged Gideon to use uncommon means to fight a military battle. And and this is reminiscent of the Battle of Jericho, led by Joshua. The Israelites followed this uncanny military strategy of walking around the walls of the city that they were going to take seven times and then sounding their trumpets to make the walls crumble and then to go in to take the city and defeat it. And here, Gideon is also challenged to find alternate means to fight an impossible battle. This battle, he cannot fight with the physical strength and the might of this very tiny army. And so his close encounters with God are important to developing an alternative military strategy. And so here we are, ninth hour. Here we are, new community, both churches small in number, and God is calling us to this task of racial reconciliation, social justice, multicultural ministry, and community engagement. This this task is bigger than we can handle in our own feeble strength with our small numbers. But Gideon teaches me that we must use alternative strategies to approach this work. What are the alternative strategies God is calling us to use? I'm so glad you asked. God is calling us to use spiritual warfare, prophetic imagination, prayer without ceasing, the spirit of hospitality, a solid unity, reaching beyond our normal circles, individually listening for for the Holy Spirit's leading, trusting God in the process, a commitment to doing this work in our daily lives and not only on Sunday morning. Being open to the strengthening of our faith as we go, even if we show up at the battle line in feeble strength. Would we allow God to strengthen our faith as we go? These are the alternative tools that we must use in order to stand our ground in this work of uncommon ministry. This this work of mission impossible that God has called us to. And so I'll close with this. And somebody that sweat and said, Amen. <laughs> I'll close with this. So, so here was Gideon. Here, here was Gideon 
Uh, We didn't read this part, but Gideon's hanging out in the wine press, which is a double level uh, um, uh, structure, uh, and he's hiding out in the bottom of the wine press threshing grain. The threshing floor was up above where the Midianites could see him, so he's hiding out in the wine press to thresh grain, hiding out in a place of being terrorized by the enemy of his people. And then God shows up. God sends an angel. God shows up and God encounters us in places of fear and places of terror. When we are chosen by God in those places of fear and terror, when God encounters us, everything changes. The the idea of a woman serving in an Asian-American monocultural, I'm sorry, let me... Rewind. The idea of a woman serving in a monocultural, unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian black church. Being transitioned to a calling to serve a currently Asian American church who desires to be multicultural is uncommon. It's strange, but it's only by the providence of God. It's only by the providence of God. When God shows up and God encounters us, when we are are chosen by God, everything changes. If someone would have said this to me before God did, I would have balked at the idea of this prospect of leading multicultural, multiracial, multiethnic ministry in this way. But when God encounters us, everything changes. When God encounters us, we have a new assignment. We are, re- we are renewed, we are reaffirmed, we are reinvigorated for the journey ahead. Trepidation and fear may take hold of us. We show up not knowing if we really are ready for this thing, ready for this mission. I think I'm talking to myself that God is calling us to. But we show up. Rebellious. Obedience is the way that I tend to show up to the mission and calling of God in my life. Amen, church. We all show up in different ways, but the reality is that we are all needed. God can use us just as we show up. And God knew how we would show up when God called. God knew that that Gideon would ask for the fleece to be wet and then for the fleece to be dry. God knew how we would show up when he called us for mission, but God called us anyway because God knew that when he encounters us that everything change. I do will do a new thing. Do you not perceive it for now it springs forth when God shows up. When God encounters us everything changes. Let me back up. When God shows up, everything has the potential to change. Will we be willing to accept the challenge? Will we be willing to walk the road and accept the call that God has chosen us for? Will we be willing to go in courage and obedience to make the choice to join the mission of God? Whatever the new thing is God is calling you to this morning, whatever the new thing is God has chosen you for, will you say yes? Will you say yes? Yes, Amen. Amen. 
When we are chosen by God, everything changes. I, I, I bet if we, if we went around this room and began to share stories about times we have encountered God, I believe we would hear some amazing stories and I believe we would hear some very ordinary stories. But I believe that the common thing would be that when God encountered me, everything changed. When God encountered me, everything shifted. Can anybody testify to that this morning? That when God showed up, everything changed. And so when you are chosen by God, you will be able to discern false gods when you encounter them. How will you respond to them is the question. When you are chosen by God, you may experience opposition from family and friends and community. When you are chosen by God, you will come to know the constancy of God. When you are chosen by God, you will be sent on an impossible mission. And know that when you are chosen by God, everything will change. Pray with me, church. God, we are thankful that you are not a stagnant God. We are thankful, God, that you don't leave us in the abyss of our sin. God, we are thankful that you don't leave us in the abyss of our mess. But God, we thank you that even when you have turned us over to the hands of the enemy, because we have been unfaithful and when we have, because we have been disobedient, we are thankful, oh God, that there's an end date to that thing. And we are thankful, oh God, that you show up desiring to change that thing, desiring to make us over again anew. And so this morning, oh God, we surrender ourselves to you. This morning, oh God, we give ourselves away to your power, your presence, your purpose, and your mission in the earth. This morning, oh God, we open our hands and our hearts and we say, yes, God. <laughs> this morning, we say, yes, God, to your will. This morning, we say, yes, God, to your way. This morning, oh God, we have been reminded of ways that you have chosen us, ways that you have called us. God, we have heard how the, 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 the chosenness of God will also bring the challenges of God, the challenges of the way of the journey. But in the midst of that, oh God, we pray that you would give us the courage to stand on firm footing in spite of the fear, in spite of the trepidation. God, we pray that you would strengthen us right there just as we show up, whether it be in fear, whether it be in rebellious obedience. God, we show up this morning and we say yes. And we got ask, oh God, that you will pour into us, that you will strengthen our faith as we go. That you, O oh God, would set the footing before us. That if there is not land before us for us to step our feet upon, that you will give us wings to fly. God, we pray, O oh God, that you will do the thing that you knit and created our lives to do in the very knitting of us in our mother's womb. You anointed each of us, calling us 
You lovingly shaped us and created us, preparing us for a specific and special purpose and anointing in the earth. Pour us out, O oh God, that we might die empty, that we would not leave this earth not having done the thing that you purposed our very lives to do. So we lay open before you right now, receiving the chosenness of God, naming the fear, and yet hearing your word to Gideon, I will go with you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning, but I will go with you. Let us rest in that this week, that we are the chosen of God, and that you go with us to do the mission and the work that you have called us to. In Jesus' magnificent and powerful and holy, constant, stable name, we pray. Can we thank Pastor Romelia this morning? Uh, I, want, I actually want to give us a chance to respond. Um, because 10 years ago, sitting in Trinity Church under the ministry of Dr. Jeremiah Wright, Pastor Romelia heard the call for the first time. And she kicked that thing down the road for 10 years. And through the ministry of this congregation, she heard the call of God again. And one of the things that I believe is that our testimonies are not for just us. Our testimonies are for one another. And so I think that God has set the table this morning for some of you to actually respond to the testimony that you've heard this morning. Um, so we're going to take five minutes. And uh, hey, Doug Yee, would you turn that fan off for us, please? You all keep playing just like that. That's great. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I'm just going to, I'm going to say a couple things over you. And if God is asking you this morning to respond, I'm going to actually ask you to stand in just a minute. And then Pastor Amelia is going to pray a commissioning prayer of God's presence and God's strength for you. But I think the time is ripe in this moment right now. So, so some of you heard this morning the call to speak up with family members, to speak up with community members. And you know what it feels like to shrink back. You know what it's like to have that thing burning in you, the, the word that God gave you, the vision that God gave you, but, but with parents, with siblings, with the community that has nurtured you, with coworkers or peers, you, you clam up and you get silent. And the call for some of us this morning is to speak up. The call of us for some of us this morning is to risk reputation, to risk credibility, maybe even to risk friendship. So, so some of you, when I ask you to, to stand up, maybe you're standing up in response to that very costly part of God's call. Some of you have heard a call to a particular edge in your vocation, a way of spending your time, of spending your gifts, of investing the education that you have or that you are now receiving. And, and that voice has gotten quiet because there's so many other competing voices. And so maybe for some of you this morning, you need to stand up in response to the word that God gave you maybe a long time ago or maybe this morning. You are for this. I made you for this. I gave you 
this privilege, this education, these resources. I healed you of this. I rescued you from this. And it's not just for you. Maybe some of you are discerning a call to move somewhere, a call to go to school somewhere, a call to to ministry somewhere. Some of you this morning may be discerning a call to say yes to Jesus for the very first time in your life. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask with, with everybody still praying, eyes closed, heads bowed, just any, anybody who this morning is feeling called to say, in this moment, I need to, with my body, respond to the invitation of God, to whatever it is that God is asking me to be about, I'm going to ask you to stand. So if that's you, would you just stand to your feet right now? Just right where you are, just stand to your feet. And in just a minute, Pastor Amelia is going to pray over you. That God would seal this word. That God would allow this call that you have heard, that maybe you have turned down, that maybe you have put off. That God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just stand right where you are. If this is you, just stand right where you are. That God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would seal this word, would water and nurture this word. That it would grow into something beautiful in your life. That you would bear fruit in your life. Fruit that would last. If this is you, would you just stand this way? Because we are not ashamed of the gospel. And I ask the rest of you to open your eyes and just to turn to the person closest to you who's standing to extend your hand in blessing and support and commitment. And if you still need to stand, if you haven't stood yet, you can still stand right now. God, I thank you for these that have uh, lifted their hands. I thank you for these that, that are standing to embody their yes. I thank you that these just didn't say yes down in their soul in a way that they could continue to hide in the way that I continue to run. But God, they have stood up and they have said, yes, I desire to do your will. Yes, I desire to follow your way. God, I pray that that yes would reverberate through their souls right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that that yes would be like a fire shut up in their bones. I pray that they would not be able to shake that yes. I pray that they would not be able to move from that yes. I pray that there are those that surround them that would not allow them to run the yes. And God, would you be faithful? God, would you be faithful to be the wind beneath their wings? God, would you be faithful? Would you be the one to remind them, oh God, that you are with them? That you will never leave them? That you will never forsake them? That you will go with them all the way? That you would give them courage? That you would give them obedience? That you would give them the boldness from the power of the Holy Spirit? And so I commission them in the name of Jesus Christ to to tread scorpions and and demons that that will come to hinder their yes. But God, give them the power of the Most High. Move in them like you've never moved before. God, even give them a miracle. If they have the spirit of Gideon, confirm this yes. That they might not 
believe that it's just something in the back of their mind that's been floating there and hanging out there. That they might not believe as I believe that, that, that God calling me to be a preacher. That they not, might not believe that it's a figment of their imagination. And I cast down that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. That nothing would be able to move them from the very express and direct word of God to them in this moment. You have spoken, Lord. You have spoken. You have. You stopped by on this Sunday morning to bring your presence. To call these to your mission. And they have responded with a yes. And so, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I commissioned them to do the work that you shaped and created and formed them in their mother's womb to do and I pray that they would go forth in truth I pray they would go forth in power I pray they would go forth in wisdom I pray they would go forth in confident expectation that you will do the thing that you said you would do thank you for your constancy thank you for your faithfulness and when the obstacles and the mountains come because they will come God I pray that they would hear you silently whisper to their spirit but I will go with you but I will go before you, but I will be behind you, but I will surround you, but I will be in you. And let them go in that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a couple announcements. If you are uh, a part of the leadership meeting that is happening after service, if you could head to the back, uh, just walk straight back. And if ninth hour, I'm hoping that all of you are going to join us for lunch and conversation with some of the members of New Community. If you can just also head straight back uh, to the room where the kids are, um, and then we will set up there. Do we need everybody to take a chair still? Yeah. And if you ninth hour so ninth hour people if you can just grab a chair with you uh, when you head back that would be helpful as well and so let us um, just now receive the benediction uh, we believe uh, that God is able to do us exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask think or imagine and, and in addition to the reality that God is able God's word to us that God wants to whisper in our ears and remind us of this week is that I will go with you and so if you can just carry that in your soul into this week that God says to us this week I will go with you and so God let us go this week in the courage and the boldness of knowing that you go before us that you stand behind us and that you are in us and that you encamp your angels around us. And that is all the assurance that we need to do the thing.
that you have called us to do this week. And so let us go knowing that you go with us. In Jesus' name, amen.